What a show, what a show, what a crazy, 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 crazy show. Hello, everybody. This is Harlan Williams, your host of the Harlan Highway Podcast, Playa. What's up, Playa? Uh, what a show we have today. Uh, what an exciting, fun, cool show this is. Are you fans of Conan O'Brien? I think we've all grown up and had Conan O'Brien in our living rooms over the years. And, uh... And there's many uh, facets to the Conan O'Brien show. And today I have a very special guest. He's a funny guy. Uh, he's a comedian. He's a stand-up. He's a writer. But uh, more than that, he works at the Conan O'Brien show. And I think you're going to be very fascinated at what capacity he works at the show. He has a very, very unique job. He does something that only a few people in the world do. So we'll get into it with uh, my special guest, Gary Cannon. Uh, we're going to talk to Gary about dating. We're going to talk to him about the end of the world. And we're also, at the end of the show, going to play the famous too soon or not too soon game with uh, our special guest today on the Harlan Highway from Conan O'Brien, stand-up comedian Gary Cannon. Right here on today's incredible episode of the Harland Highway. I have an announcement to make. You are about to go down the Harland Highway. Lock the door. I don't want to be a product of my environment. Shut up! I want my environment to be a product of me. <laughs> you are riding down the Harland Highway. So, who do I have to fuck to get off this boat? I can get you off. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. Ah, you're a cantaloupe. All right, hold tight on the Harland Highway Show. I'm ashamed, Big Daddy. That's why I'm a drunk. When I'm drunk, I can stand myself. Keep leaning on that tutor, Charlie, and you're going to get a shot in the mouth. Act like a man. What's the matter with you? I wasn't really sure what was going on. You're listening to Harlan Williams. The rest is bullshit, and you know it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Here we go. Hey, everybody. This is Harlan Williams, and you are rolling down the Harlan Highway. And, man, I am... I'm, do you hear the, the little, little uh, like, spike in my voice here? I'm super excited and giddy. I'm like a... Like, I feel like a, a, a little, like, a, a girl on a all-girls field hockey team that just scored the winning goal. I don't know why, but I have a special guest here today. Uh, he's, he's super funny. He's got a great career. He's got some really interesting stuff uh, we're going to get into. And uh, I want to welcome him to the Harland Highway. He's right here. Gary Cannon, oh, how are you? Thank you, buddy. How this, are you, guy? First of all, yeah. thanks for having me. I know that we tried to schedule this a couple of times. Oh, no problem, Couldn't man. Get, you asked me to be part of your 10 p.m. prov yes, show yes, when you went yes. on location. Yeah, that was, the, that, that was the only the second time I've ever done my podcast live. Really? Yeah. But, Did you uh, like doing it in front of 400 people? It was a little intimidating, Yeah, but it would have been great to have you there, but maybe next time. We got you here now. This is great. I'm just glad that we were able to do it because you and I have known each other for a long time. Yeah, yeah. A long time. Because I remember when I used to do the audience warm-up, and I know we'll get into this, when I used to do the audience warm-up at Carson Daly. Oh, yeah. You that's were on I would show see you all, all the, the time. time. Yeah, I yeah. remember. He yeah. loved you. He yeah, he— 
we had a great time. Carson was really cool to me. And, and we did this thing where he knew I liked like taxidermied animals and stuff. <laughs> and every time I went and was a guest on Carson Daly, he'd, he'd have a stuffed animal for me. Like I've still got some in my house. I've got like bats and a stuffed cobra. And <laughs> it's, it's bizarre, but I, I love it, man. Was that in your gift basket backstage or was that what he would give you? No, he would set? like, he would add that. He'd bring it in as a separate present. And I just, I just loved it. But, but now, um, another guy that I did a million times was Conan O'Brien yes. and you work over there. I work over there and it's crazy because wow. when I started at Carson, yeah. Conan was the lead into Carson. Cause I remember yeah, right. Conan at the end of the show would say, stay tuned for last call with Carson. Yeah. Daly. So, and I remember here's, what's even crazier before I ever worked at Conan, this would yeah. have been two. I, I, I remember it very well. It was before nine 11 happened. This oh, would have been wow. 2011 summer of 2011. Guy brings that up right I out would... of the gate. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what a bummer to a podcast. Wow, dude. <laughs> thought we were so, going to have fun yeah. here today, but all Should right. We just call it, call it right now. <laughs> so I remember I went out to New York. I'd never, ever been out to New York before. I oh, went wow. out to New York by myself did a bunch of fun touristy things on my own. And yeah. one of the things on my agenda was to go see a taping of Conan. I was a huge fan. Oh, cool. He was on when I was in college. So I yeah. remember him from 1993 when he started. Amazing. So I go to a taping of the show. He's at 30 Rock. And I remember yeah. before the show starts, he comes out and starts doing his goofy dance and starts messing yeah. around with the audience. And I remember he pointed at me in the audience and he said, come here and give me a hug. Again, I don't know Conan. Wow. I just so came, out came to see the show. on to you immediately. Came on to me. And wow. then what I did was, as I gave him a hug, I grabbed his ass. Well, so and then you came on I, to him. I, I, wow. <laughs> I grabbed his ass. Yeah. And then I gave him the old call me thing. And then he let me jump down on the floor and give a hug to Max Weinberg and grab Max's drumsticks. Holy How cool God. was that? So that was my first. And I've told Conan this. Since I started yeah. working on the show, and wow. I'm surprised he still allows me to be there. That's amazing. That that's like like that's a kind of a big connection. And then later on in life, you're like, there. Like later, you know, I remember I was a junior in college watching his show, yeah. the old theme song. Yeah. I remember his first guest was John Goodman. Oh, uh, God. I, I was a huge fan. The year yeah. 2000, all that other great stuff. And now to like just look at it, and having been there now almost three years, and look at like just how cool the journey has been from yeah. you know working at. Craig Kilborn, Craig Ferguson, yeah. Carson Daly, You've all the shows in between, all. and now to Conan, which is great. Well, let's tell the crowd what it is you do yeah. there because they're probably thinking, well, this guy's a Conan every day. What the hell did, what, what, are you, what are you doing there? So 99% of the shows that tape in LA, I would say, well, maybe 90% of the shows yeah. that tape in LA have a studio audience. Right. A lot of them are single camera shows, kind of like a uh, Young Sheldon or Modern Family. Those are single yeah. cameras. They don't have an audience. But a lot of shows like Ellen, Dr. Phil, Conan, yeah, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, there's a live audience. So yeah. what they need is somebody to go out there before the show, prep the audience, get them ready, get them focused, get, get the them energy excited up. about the show. Yeah. Yep. Let them know what's going on because a lot of people – have never, ever, ever stepped foot in a studio. Yeah, and they're so they're they awestruck. Know. They're kind of looking around at the lights and the cameras. And yeah. They're, yeah, they're, they're really mesmerized. Well, I remember the first time I came out to L.A., I went to see a taping of Frasier. Oh, wow. And I got there, and I was like, oh, my God, there's a radio station. There's the living room. Wow. And maybe 30 minutes in, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Because the difference between a sitcom and a show like Conan, yeah. a sitcom can take four, five, six hours to take. Oh, yeah. Because there's so many scenes. They're rewriting the show on the so fly. So you got a little bored? I got a little bored. And I you left. know what you should have done? You should have ran, ran down and just hugged Kelsey Grammer and grabbed, <laughs> grabbed his, his ass. ass. Yeah. 
mean, see if somebody that, else had the drumsticks. Yeah, yeah. Why not? So I, I, because I, I've done those before. I've done the sitcoms that take a long time to film. Yeah. But the difference between like a Conan and an Ellen, these like daytime talk shows or, yeah. or late night shows, they're live to tape. They yeah. start and stop all in an hour. And it's great. It's a really nice thing. And so, so you go in and like, you what? You like so get what them I going. Do, you warm them up, right? I get them going. I get them excited. You walk, Just so the people know, you... You, it's like an, an empty stage, First and you guy they and, see. and you come walking out with a microphone. Yes. And, okay. So at Conan, right on Conan's set, you're on right Conan's on center set, stage, right? And I will tell you, what's crazy is we run like a machine, which I think most shows do. Yeah, Fallon, they do. Colbert yeah. and Ellen. Yeah. Basically, what happens right at four o'clock, yeah. every last person is sat in the audience. A sizzle reel plays. Yeah. Seven minutes, best of, kind of best of best highlights. Best of, yeah. Best of four oh seven. I go out there, I go out to a, a song, start getting the audience clapping along, yeah. and then I do 15 minutes. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. As I'm doing the warm-up, I'm kind of plucking people from the audience, putting them down on the floor, them having no idea what they're going to do. It's a little kind of fun dance contest yeah, at yeah, the yeah, end. Yeah. So I'm picking people from every part of the audience. I bring them down on the floor, and as I'm doing that, as I'm plucking people, I'm also setting yeah, up Just so we're up. clear, you're... you're- Plucking people with a P? Yes. <laughs> okay, because after you're, after I what heard were you, you were grabbing some asses, no, 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 no. I thought this maybe you with a P. With a P. The plucking. Yes. Okay. Good. Okay. This is I'm not just... a Me Too movement. Okay. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I'm just I, I go sure. there. I'm one on one plucking people. Plucking. Okay. And as I'm doing this, I'm also giving them the rules. Here's what's gonna happen. Right. The band's gonna come out. Boom, boom, boom. Then Conan will come out. He'll do the monologue. Here are the guests on tonight's show. The whole time, like, throwing in these rules as I'm pulling people to the floor, making it fun and goofy. So people yeah. don't really know what's going on, but they're hearing the rules. Because the truth of it is, if you have people that are coming to the show, whether they're from Michigan, Ohio, whatever, they don't know how to behave. They don't have a clue. And they will do anything you tell them to do. Yeah. It's 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 amazing to yeah. me, right? Oh, so, people, if you, if you put anyone in front of a camera, they'll do and say almost anything. A hundred percent. It's just, they, they just, they just want to make the camera happy. They, they think this is their moment. They think that maybe yeah. somebody will see them. Yeah. That this is, I've seen that doing warm up on sitcoms where you'll bring somebody down yeah. to do a little talent show and they're looking around thinking one of the producers will notice them. Oh yeah. And they and go full back. bore. Yeah. You ever get the full kids that, that sing, you ask someone to sing and suddenly it's like an audition for, for star search or American Wonder Idol song, getting the audience clapping. Oh along. my God. I'm now pulling. I love that because it's pulling time that I have to do. Yeah. Right. I love it. That's what's great. But with Conan 407, I grab the mic, start yeah. going out there and within 13 minutes, I'm getting the wrap up sign. Yeah. I do a final two minutes and with the dance contest, I bring the band out. Yeah. Now it's about 4.23. Bring the band out. They do two pre-show songs. Yeah. It's now 4.30. Show starts. Yeah. I'm never seen again. Wow. Because some shows that I have buddies that work at, Craig Ferguson, Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, yeah. those guys have to go out during commercial breaks. Right, Still right, right. Still pump up the crowd, couple of announcements, boom, boom, boom. They don't want me. So you work 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, four days a week, 30 weeks a year. So 30 Dude. hours a week. That's it's great. And just so people are really clear, uh, Gary's going out there and he's actually doing stand up. You're doing stand up. You're doing jokes. You're interacting yes. with the crowd. Yes. It's not a straight full routine, but you're, no. you're slipping jokes in between asking people where they're from and Absolutely. what they do. Absolutely. So it's like right. kind of a 15 minutes of full on entertainment, entertainment by you. Yeah. It's funny it's because I had a buddy come over who works at Ellen. He came over to see me 
And I said, I feel guilty. I'm only working 15 minutes a day. And he said, well, listen, you have worked so many lousy shows to get to this point, but right. all your energy is going into this 15 minutes. Like you're really for 15 minutes working your ass off. And I'm not yeah. saying I'm doing what a construction worker does, but for 15 minutes, like I am just boom, boom, boom. Like I'm just knocking the pins down Oh yeah, because I want Conan to come out and feel great about the show. Oh yeah. Well, plus it's an intimidating thing. I mean, it's, you know, you know, I've done stand-up on Conan and The Tonight Show on Letterman, and, you know, it's different to go out and do stand-up in a, in a studio where a lot of the focus is on technical issues, the lighting, the sound, the camera placement. And so it's not like you're going out on a clean stand-up stage and the focus is just stand-up. So you've got to get them. And, and for you to do it every night with a, with a full house, a new crowd, people that aren't familiar with the environment, they're, they're distracted easily. It, it's not an easy job, man. So kudos to you. Well, and I will say whenever we have a comic on the show, whether it's their first time, yeah. whether it's the first time on Conan, network, debut, whatever that yeah. is, I will literally give a two-minute speech about how important – this night oh, is for somebody great. because I really, I really, you. I really think it's important because oh, the idea yeah. is the idea behind that is I don't want somebody going out cold. Yeah. So right, for example, right. tonight we did a show and you the, just came from Conan right now. I did. We did two you, shows, you did today. two shows today. So yeah. you're right, right off the Conan yes. set right to the Harlan highway. This is great. This is I don't beautiful. know which is better. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, there's, uh, wait a Better minute. Green Why room, is your hand on my ass? What are you doing? <laughs> Easy, guy. Easy. Is this where we start plucking? Is this the plucking this is the part? Dim okay. the lights. Yeah. Um, but, but I will say uh, we had a girl on tonight, brand new comic, making oh. her TV debut. So, listen, Beautiful. I want our show to be a place where comics can come on yeah. and be like, holy crap, that was an amazing experience. Oh, well, that's very generous of I, you. I really because try to. That's beautiful. That's I really nice. want a comic to go away thinking, wow, that was the best first set I could have had. And 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 what I think you recognize, just I can detect from you talking, is that you know that a comic's first time on a major talk show is is a career pinnacle. Huge. I mean, it it's a huge... Not every comic gets asked to perform on on talk shows and if you can get on and even the ones like the later ones like Carson Daly or when Conan used to be on late at night like just to get on any of them is a huge uh you know stand-up comedian career triumph so well here's it, what's crazy. it's amazing I don't know you probably don't know the story but I've been at Conan almost three years so I started doing warm-up probably back in 2004 mm -hmm. my first gig was with Craig Kilborn that transitioned to Ferguson yep. Carson Daly was my real first full-time gig. Yep. And then a lot of gigs in between, Dancing with the Stars, America's Got Talent, all this other stuff. Wow, you've done a lot. A dude. lot of a lot of great shows, a lot yeah. of bad shows, a yeah. lot of whenever somebody calls me and they say, We're doing a game show pilot, Ooh. hang up the phone. Yeah. It's that is a yeah. disaster zone. Yeah. Because nobody knows what they're doing. Oh yeah. I've... I avoid reality singing competition shows. Yeah. That's just an ear beating. It's it's what if there was a pilot show called Grab Me? Would that, would that <laughs> the art of your plunking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, it's crazy because here's what's nuts. And you know this. And you've yeah. been in this business a long time. There are days that you have in this business that will give you the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Oh, yeah. That whether the phone call is you're going to be starring in this or the phone call is you just got pulled from that show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So we're in 2018. I remember in 2015, three years ago, I went into that year not having a whole lot of anything. Just yeah. a dead year. My calendar oh, was, wow. was blank. Yeah. So I remember I, got, I worked on a couple of other TBS shows. Pete Holmes had a show. Yeah. I worked on his yeah, show. Dion Cole had a show. I worked on his show for TBS. Wow. Those were all Conoco shows. Yeah. So I remember I got a call from a mutual friend of ours, Jimmy Pardo. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy was awesome. doing Conan yeah, for a right. long time. That's right. Yep. He was doing it and said, hey, I need to take off a few days. I am hosting a game show for sci-fi. I okay. think that that's what it was. He was hosting a game show. Can you fill in for me for a couple of days? No problem. Never thinking in my wildest dreams that this temporary gig yeah. for a couple of days would turn into a full-time permanent gig. Oh, he gig. never came back? No. No, because what happened was my style and Jimmy's style are completely different. Yeah. Jimmy will tell you that. Jimmy will tell you he's not a warm-up guy. He's a stand-up comic that yeah. was doing warm-up. Yeah. Jimmy's style was standing on the floor, goofing with the audience back and forth, doing crowd work, yeah. then bringing the band out. Right. My style is up in the audience, high-fiving people, oh, wow. tossing out T-shirts. Just different. A little that's, more energy. That's the way I do it. Yeah. But completely different. Some people don't like what I do. It's yeah. too over the top. Other people want more of a straight line yeah, kind of yeah. warm-up deal. So I think at the moment when I kind of came in, they recognized more of like, hey, I think this is what we could want. I think oh, we, I, because wow. the story I had heard later was Conan was backstage when I was doing the warm-up, and he's like, holy shit, what's going on back then? Right, like, right. Couldn't believe it. Like, it was, was yeah, very Yeah, you're excited. great at it, man. You very are excited great about at the energy. Yeah. So I then get a call the next day saying, hey, listen, you know, we're thinking about trying to make this work, but trying to make all parties happy. Oh. And I was like, I didn't know what that meant. Wait, they were getting rid of Jimmy after you sm smoked the room? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was Jimmy upset? Well, here's what's great about it, because I've known Jimmy for a long time. And yeah. I said to them, I said, listen. I understand that you guys are going through these growing pains and that you're looking to make a, a switch. Yeah. I said, if I don't take the job, would Jimmy come back or would you find somebody else? And they're like, we think we'd probably find somebody else. So Jimmy had just kind of run his course. Jimmy will tell you he was completely burnt out. Like, I think he was done. Yeah. He loved being part of the Conan crew. Yeah. But here's what's great about the show. The show immediately brings me in, but then transitions Jimmy into a development deal with the show. So right. now Jimmy's no longer doing the warm-up, but is still part of the show right, in right. some way, shape, Yeah, Conan's a loyal guy. Yeah. Loyal to yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I've been there three years now, but it, it's amazing. I never, when I was there for the first couple of days filling in for him, never in my wildest dreams thought that this, and, and like I said, I, I was not expecting that gig. All of a sudden I get Conan. Later that summer... I get a call from Ken Jung. He's doing a sitcom called Dr. Ken. Yeah. He saw me somewhere else. So now I have two gigs when six months earlier I had nothing. So it's, it's, it's weird how it just transitions around. And, well, you know it I mean? also like, says you're really good at what you do, man. I mean, there's an, there's an art to every to everything. There's an art. And and I've seen a lot of warm-up guys. I mean, damn, I've I've had my own sitcom, and I used to I used to – hire my friends who are comedians to do warm-up, Ron Pearson yeah, and Alan course. Murray and guys like All that. Those guys. I would get bring those guys in, and and it's hard. It's a hard gig, and, and I, I'm not uh, disparaging them, but I, I'll say that I know for a fact you, you work it better than those guys did, and they'd probably agree with me. It's not a, it's not a dig. It's just you're really good at it. You should write a book or something about it. 
Well, it, it's interesting because certain shows like certain guys, like there's a guy like Mark Sweet who does all the Chuck Lorre shows. So he does yeah. Big Bang Theory, Mom, like Chuck Lorre yeah, yeah, yeah. loves him. Yeah. But, you know, the, the fact of it is there's there's only, I think, maybe under 10 guys in L.A. that do warm-up. Yeah. It's a very limited number. It's a limited, because there's, yeah, there's a limited number of shows. Right. And so you're very, you, you've got a very uh, excellent spot. And, and, and. I don't want to sound ignorant, but you you can make your living at it, right? You can. You can. Yeah, you can, yeah. I like, will say this though: the money, really, if you want to do warm up full time, is in sitcoms because the money. I mean, some of those guys yeah. for sitcoms are making five grand a night. Wow. For a nice. sitcom, yeah, and they're in and out in four hours. That's where the money is. Wow, I better so. I better pack up the Harlan <laughs> Highway and. Uh, you know what? Let Let me ask you this: Would you mind if I did? Uh, you know, just two nights while you took some time off over at Conan? <laughs> well, I go film I... a sci-fi show? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is Gary Cannon, gang. And, uh, you know, I've I've been on Conan. I've been doing Conan since, uh, oh, my God, for maybe more than 15 years. Like, I, I, I did Conan for the first time way back in the 90s when he was in New York. Yep. And, uh, and so I think that was my very, one of my very first late night shows, Bob Odenkirk. Wow. From Breaking Bad. He actually helped me get it. He, uh, Bob used to do a lot of stand up. And yeah. when I first moved to LA, Bob Odenkirk saw me doing my stuff in Hollywood and he just walked up to me one day and he goes, he was a writer on Conan at the time. And he goes, do you want to do Conan? <laughs> I just went, um, yeah okay and <laughs> next thing i knew i was flying to new york and doing conan so i did conan before i did like letterman or the tonight show and so i've uh i've had a relationship with conan all these years and i just did conan again last year and i'm on there all the time and i'm hopefully going to be doing it again soon because i have a new crazy um stand-up comedy special dropping this year oh wow and it's very strange and very weird and i think conan's gonna want me on the show i did my whole special uh as as a dog i have <laughs> this did? i have this crazy mask a pug mask where the mouth articulates and I did my whole special as Carmel Corn the Pug. <laughs> and so once doing we're regular jokes or doing my jokes? whole act for an hour okay. as as Carmel Corn. So when my special drops, I want to <laughs> I'm going to call up the gang at uh, at Conan and uh, say, hey, Carmel Corn wants to come on the show. And you would come out as Carmel. Corn. I would do stand up and yeah. do panel as right. Carmel Corn. Right. And I think Conan would love it. So. So a little heads up did on that. Did you have to come out when you did that? Did you come out to the audience and let them know nope. this is what you're doing? You just come out? I didn't even bill it as me. I just I just said, if you want to see a dog do stand-up comedy, I didn't even tell them it was me. How do you get people to come out for a show like that? Uh, well, some of them <laughs> some of them knew because I advertised it on my podcast okay. and on Twitter and stuff like that. And then the other part was just some marketing guys that said, hey, we're kind of doing this wild comedy Different. show. We're taping it. Come on out and see it. And so uh, I think half the people knew it was me under the mask and half had no idea. Because you know that a lot of these shows, not Conan, but a lot of these sitcoms in L.A. that are brand new can't fill an audience every night. So they pay people oh, yeah. to be there. And, yeah. and those are the most brutal of audiences. Oh, they're horrible. They yeah. are brutal. And it's the minute oh. you get on the microphone, you're like, hey, who's ready to have a good time? And it is crickets. Oh, you're like, it's, it's, this show better move fast. It's brutal. Because we, yeah. it, anytime I hear that it's like a, a baseball team from a college, I'm screwed. Oh, yeah. 
girls volleyball, people, like it, military guys. Can be it's, brutal, and yeah, you're just brutal. out there hoping a free T-shirt oh, excites I, them. I did. I did one of my um, Comedy Central stand-up specials once, and about four or five minutes in, I started talking to a guy in the crowd. I'm like, I'm like doing this bit where I'm like, blah 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 blah, and I go, "What do you think about that, dude?" And he's like, "Can pass I'm like, "Wait a minute, what?" And I said, dude, do you speak English at all? And he's like, and I'm like, you don't speak English, do you? And I realized, like, I looked around and I realized, like, half the people in the crowd didn't understand a word I was saying. But they don't care. They right. just want to put people in seats for the yeah. camera. Yeah, that's it's it. It's humiliating. It's degrading. It's like, it's like dudes, like... Anyway, it is, it is pretty amazing. I mean, literally, I remember I was working on a show called Sullivan and Son, which was Steve Burns sitcom. Yeah. And I remember Steve's great. Steve's great. One yeah. of the nicest. I toured them a Love lot. Him. Yeah. And he I was interviewing somebody and yeah. Roy Wood Jr., who's on our show yeah, on the floor. He yells up, hey, what do you do for a living to the guy? And the guy said, I just got out of prison. And and it huh. was no joke. It was no BS. Yeah. But they were there as a fundraiser from some home, and they were there for a sandwich and thirteen dollars. Yeah, and that's what it brutal. is. Yeah, yeah, they really it's it's a grind. But it, when when you get these shows, I think I've come to a good spot in my life though because I've had shows now where if I get any shit from anybody, I'm done. Jeff Dye had a game show, and the producers were giving me crap about it. And I love Jeff, but it, the producers came over and they were just yelling and this that, and I was like. Guys, we're taping at a studio in Santa Clarita. Yeah. It's midsummer. These people are dying a miserable death. Yeah. Let's face facts. I mean, let's 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 be thankful yeah. that 30 people showed up. Yeah, really. So let's call this what it is. We're getting as much as we can out of the stone. <laughs> yeah. And let's all walk away happy. And I said, yeah. if there's any more problems, I said, we'll just call it a day. I yeah. said, I have no problem getting home before traffic. <laughs> and they don't, it's funny, Harlan, they don't know what to say. Yeah. Like they're thrown off that. Why, why would you be talking to me that way? Because yeah. he said, why are you so hostile? And I was like, I'm just being honest. Yeah, yeah. And they don't know what to do. They're thrown. Yeah, well, they don't get it that that we're very passionate about our craft. And it's insulting when you're just throwing bodies in front of us and, and not like kind of going out to the world and saying, hey, who wants to see this guy? Or who wants to see a, a really good comedy show? They're just... You know they can pull anybody off the street, and it's. I've had people falling asleep. I, <laughs> my, one of my specials I did that the the production company that did it, my opening joke at the punchline. You know how they cut to the crowd. Yeah. So my opening joke, they cut to a, a lady that had to be in her 80s, just staring at me with white hair, and I go, guys, this is not the epitome of hip. <laughs> I've got like, you know, Mary Callender sitting in the front row with a fucking pop pie in her hand. <laughs> this isn't going to go over well with the young hip comedy audience. Like, yeah, can't, I, I made them put someone else in, but. And, and when, where did you film this dog show? Where did you film? Uh, your... I filmed it at the, uh, the improv in Irvine. Oh, okay. Because they built a, a brand new, new uh, club down there that holds yeah. 600 and, and they rigged it to shoot stuff and yes. it really looked beautiful. And, uh, and, and, you know, they worked with me on, you know, filling it. They worked with me on, on, you know, using the facility. And so they're really great about it. So it, it doesn't look like a giant theater, but it, it still looks like in between a, a giant theater and a club. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, by the that. way, to, uh, switch gears really quickly. Yeah. I mean, you've done so much. I mean, you're, you, I mean, you've just done so many great things as a comic. But what's what's one thing that you haven't done yet that you'd love to do? 
Uh, man, that's a cool question. Guy turns it around on me yeah. here. Oh, I like just because I've seen. I mean, you've done like I mean, voiceovers, movies, TV, late night show. I mean, if you look at the realm, I mean, you've done it all. Yeah. So yeah. what? What? What's? I mean, what? As a stand up or just in the industry? Uh, well, I guess as a stand up. Like, I mean, like, what would you want to do that still hasn't been crossed off the list? Boy, that's tough, man. Because I've done an HBO special, I've done Showtime, I've done I've done all Comedy Central, I've done all the big talk shows. The only one I missed was Johnny Carson, but I hadn't moved here yet. Right. Um. Gosh, I don't know that there's a lot left for me to do. Me, I I don't know. Stand up wise, I don't know what else is. You know, after all right, you've what been about, a dog. We'll what about the other thing then? Like just. The other thing left on my list that I really want to accomplish, and I don't know if I'll have time left because I'm getting a little older, but I always wanted to have my my um, Ace Ventura or my my um, my uh, Austin Powers type franchise movie character. I wanted to create a character that just took off was really big and we were able to make three or four sequels, you know? Right. I always thought that that was always something that I really uh, felt I was capable of and, and wanted to do. But uh, believe me, I don't complain. If it never happens, I will not complain. But that was always on my list, you know? But it's, it's weird because you've achieved a ton of success. Do you feel like you can slow down and relax a little bit and enjoy it? Or do you feel like... You need to always be working to keep your name, to maintain, to like, like so many comics just obviously you want to keep working because it's yeah, fun. Yeah. That's what we do. But do you, do you feel like you can slow down a little bit and, and can enjoy things a little bit more, vacation a little bit more? Uh, you know what? I always did that. I always I always did that throughout my career. I always made a, a point of, of, of going on vacations every year taking summers off. So I, I never let the work overpower, you know, the fun of living. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of slowing down, not necessarily slowing down, but transitioning a bit, I'm starting to, to become more involved in writing, writing movie scripts and writing short stories. I'm writing a novel. So I'm, I'm finding myself wanting to not travel as much and, and, and put out material that I can publish and, and stuff like that. So, so yeah. Yeah, because I think so many guys, they just feel like they just got to keep going and, and book the calendar 365 yeah. days a year. And, you know, we were talking about that before we started. It's just like, I, I, as I get older, I can't do that much anymore. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, I always want to go out and do my stand-up, but I don't want to... Uh, you know, I don't want to be a road war and a road hog, and I want to work on my other stuff. So, yeah, stuff to think about. What was the name? I remember when I brought you up at the Hollywood Improv, you said, I said, what do you want your intro to be? And you said, Larry Smith from Bakersfield. Yeah. was that is that still the intro? I do. I, I mean, I switch the names up all the time, but, <laughs> but Larry Smith's one of my go-to ones because I... I like to go up very unassuming and I like to go up with the most generic name from the <laughs> smallest town. And then, and then, you know, there's no expectations on me and there's no expectations from the audience. I don't like to ride on the back of any of my credits or anything I've done. I, I like to go up with a cold slate and just go, here's a human being, you're human beings. Let's see if the human being on stage can, can find your funny bone. And that that's I just love it to be there. I don't want here's a guy you've seen him in half baked and something about Mary. And it's like that doesn't matter to me. 
That stuff's it. That's in the past. Like my challenge tonight is to connect right here and now with those people, and and I want to know that I did it carte blanche. You know, right. I want to know that I did it without any any pedigree, any type of setup, any help. I just want to do it. You know, one on one, and so that's why I go up so generically. But they know it's you, though. I mean, some of them do. Yeah. You know, not everyone knows who I am, but I'd say a lot of them, most of them do. But e- even just on a psychological level, I do it for my brain because then I'm I'm alleviating all all pressure, all pre- preconceived notions. Right. Everything goes away if I go up on stage as Larry Smith. I'm just in my mind a nobody, and so I get to I get to do. Uh, whatever I want without any pressure and it really helps me grow and it helps me work on new material and and I, I just like it I like being anonymous you know well it's funny because you and I you do crowd work so eloquently I and love so crowd great. work yeah and I do it yeah uh, you're really just, good yeah no. <laughs> you are you I are. do it but but how do you handle it when like you know when this happens the crowd is just not into the crowd work they just want to hear jokes and they just like they do you have to just shift back really quick because like like you love doing crowd work so when at some point you just the whole front row is like no nah, we don't want to play like you know what i mean like yeah. you just pull it right back in it depends it depends on the energy in the room but a lot of the times i'll just i'll just make them it's like my show it's not their show it's my show so if i want to do crowd work i'll just keep going and and i find that if you hit the wall with them then you go deeper. Instead of retreating, you go deeper. Like if somebody puts up an obstacle to you, then you attack the obstacle. If someone says, hey, man, my kid died a week ago, you know, don't fuck with me. I'll go right in and say, how'd your kid die? And the room will go silent. I mean, it'll... Has this happened? Oh, hell, all the time, dude. Really? I've, I've talked to people about their dead kids. I've, t- you, know, some, you know, you get people with tattoos. Oh, what's that name on your shoulder? Oh, that's my daughter. Oh, wow, you don't know your daughter's own name? No, she died like three years ago. And I won't stop. I'll go ra- I'll go <laughs> right into it. I just keep going down and down the rabbit without being mean or cruel, but just I'll, I'll switch the gear and become compassionate and friendly and find a way through it. it. It's really fun. And those moments when the room goes completely silent are, to me, magical because people are riveted. And, and there's a lot of raw emotion and people don't know where you're going with it. Right. And I don't know where I'm going with it. And in that silence, it's like, it's just amazing. It's really, it's powerful. So wow. I, ju- I always say, just keep going, keep going and try to find the funny, kind way to climb back out. If you're mean and derogatory and, and cruel, well, then you're going to lose them. But if, if, you, if you can find a way down to the bottom and then realize, holy shit, I've dug this hole, find a way out using your humor, but also, you know, f- using compassion and kindness. And, and if it's awkward, then just force yourself to find a way to climb out. I've always found the interesting thing, too, and you know this. I, I didn't realize this early on when I started doing crowd work, but I learned it after. It, there's so much you can get away with when you're shitting on the crowd, if you're smiling. 
Yeah, exactly. If you're smiling, you can call somebody an asshole. F oh, you. Yeah. You're yeah. a piece of shit. Yeah. As long as you're smiling. If you're not smiling, then you're the dick. But if yeah. you're smiling, it goes so much further. Oh, yeah. Because they realize you're in on it. Yeah. So oh, it, yeah. Just, it makes all the difference in the world. I, I grew up I, I grew up in my stand-up career with a guy in Canada named Pat Bullard. He was just a real kind of dashing, charismatic, handsome guy. Did he guy. later host The Joker's Wild? Yeah, he did some TV hosting yes, stuff. Sure. He's, he's a great Canadian, one of the best crowd work guys I've ever seen in my life. Amazing. And he just had one of those smiles that when he smiled, you could almost see the little white twinkle, go, uh -huh. you know, the little star, ding, you know? Right. And he had this smile, and, and, and whenever he got stumped, like if someone in the crowd threw a wall up against him and he couldn't, he couldn't find it, he'd just look at them, he'd smile and go, Fuck off. And, <laughs> and it was so charming. Like, it would just melt people. And it was just, he was telling them to fuck off, but you almost wanted him to. All right, let's shift gears, because I, as always, I've got a whole list of right. questions for Gary. I'm we, ready. We, ha we talked about the, the, the biz. Yes. And uh, that, that was informative. Thank you, man. Oh, and sure. I, we really, I think the, the uh, pavement pounders who listen so to the show. So many people don't realize it's an actual job. It's they a don't career. realize. And some of the, a lot of them probably don't even know it is a job. No. Because not a lot of people, if you take the whole population, have been to the taping right. of, a, of a talk show. So, right. So Gary's the guy that, that warms up the crowd, gets them pumped up, and then the host comes out. And he just kind of wallows in what Gary, the soup Gary made for yeah. him. So it's a very the important job. The minestrone <laughs> ass grab chowder, baby. Uh, so here we go. Hawaii. Yes. We're bringing it back. You know, a few weeks ago, some some dillweed <laughs> pressed, pressed a button that yeah. said, we are going to be uh, bombed in about 35 minutes. Yeah. Uh, get to a shelter. Gary Cannon, what what does Gary do when he knows he has 35 minutes to live? What's going on in your head? Wow. Well, first of all, two things. I was surprised. I understand that the button was hit accidentally. Yeah. But it took that long I for know. somebody to retract it. I know. Like, Weird. that was interesting to me. And yes. the fact that there's one button, you know, like, That's it. like okay, there's the, it's like the up or down button That's on it. an elevator. Press that, and, and, and nuclear fallout disaster ensues. Like... I would, I would hope if I yeah. were in Hawaii yeah. and that went off, I would hope that Steve Byrne was performing there somewhere yeah. at the time because I would go into that building because I would have the building to myself. It would be empty. <laughs> <laughs> the underground. Um, I don't know what, what. It is scary to think that that yeah, it would be that minutes, crazy. Dude. Although you saw some people on the news, they didn't seem like they were that freaked out about it. Like some people were moving quickly, but yeah, other nobody people, believes anything nobody. anymore. They think, right. oh, it won't happen. And if it does, you know, I'll just go to the beach. What would you have done? I probably, you know, I probably would have walked up to the toughest guy I've, I could find, like a real, like a big bald muscle guy, and I go, "Dude, don't take this personally. Uh, I'm not mad at you. I don't hate. I'm not a violent person, but I've always wanted to just punch a tough guy right in the face. <laughs> and you're the guy. I have 35 minutes left, and then would boom. that be okay? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or I would walk up to the most beautiful, stunning girl. Yep. Because, you know, I've always been a little shy around the girls. I would walk up to, like, a, a model-esque girl. i say, listen, I've never done this in my life. You are gorgeous. we got 35 minutes left. Do you want to make love on the beach? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be rapey. I wouldn't be a sexual assaulty. I'd be very gentlemanly. I'd say, look, 
I've been dreaming about making love to a girl like you my whole life. Yeah. We got 35 minutes. Would, would you would you throw me a bone here? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then so you would do that. Obviously. Well, I would make love to her and, and then, then stand up and kick a, kick, a, kick a tough guy <laughs> in the face and then make love to her again. Because you would have 33 extra minutes. Yeah, I want to. I want to have. I want to achieve just as the bombs landing. Sure. So that's like the biggest, like a mushroom cloud orgasm. Right. Just right there. Boom. Yeah. I love it. Can you imagine orgasming right at the moment the, the bomb landed? Yeah. That'd, oh. be, that'd be pretty cool. So that, a great that's a way to go out. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like your theory. I mean, I think what I came up with was better than sitting in a dark theater all by myself. But, you know, <laughs> you, you you do what you want, Gary. I'm kind of a loner. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, has any, uh, have you or yes. anyone you've a- ever known won a lottery? Like uh, even a scratcher? Oh, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah, tell. Do yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I've had guys that have won. Actually, the guy that cuts my hair, he, he's one of these guys that will go in and just drop a hundred bucks on, yeah. you know, single ticket scratchers. Scratchers. And he's uh, won, and? I think, 500. Um, and and I, when you go home and look at your haircut that night, is there little, little silver bummed. filaments in your hair? <laughs> little little shavings <laughs> from the shavings. From the scraping? I had a buddy, a buddy who's a big comedy fan, but he is in casting. And he used to cast a show yeah. called uh, like My Millionaire or something like okay. that. And it was basically people winning the lottery and then blowing all their money. Right. Like that was that Idiot. was what it was. And I mean, yeah. I'm sure that that happens so much. Oh yeah, yeah. But I would always, I always kind of had that thing. Like even when I went to Vegas, yeah, never felt like Ralphie was a guy. Ralphie May, who we both yeah. know. When we would go work these casinos together, he'd be like, "Hey, Cannon, here's a hundred dollars. Go play the slot machines." And I just knew they weren't going to win anything, so I'd just take the hundred, put it in my pocket, and walk nice. away. Nice. Yeah, I felt it was like a hundred dollar bonus for the weekend. Wow, it was great. But yeah. did you ever win anything in the lottery? Did you ever win a scratcher no, or anything? No, I wasn't that guy. I was never. I I didn't play it enough to even consider winning. Yeah. But but I, I think it's. I never. I never got enticed with it, even when. The, the the mega millions was like eight hundred yeah. million dollars. I never even bought a ticket. You know who I bet wins a lot of those scratchers is people with psoriasis. You think so? Well, because they're always itching and they're yeah. probably great scratchers. <laughs> so is that a joke we might hear from the dog? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe caramel. <laughs> corn. That's what a caramel corn is. Caramel was caramel corn a name of your dog? Did you? No, have a dog I just him? made it up. I thought I want to have a catchy name for the caramel uh, corn. The dog. Caramel corn. The I like pug. It. I now, like it. now, tell me about your barber. How much did he win? You, you almost made it sound like he was a five hundred. Yeah, five hundred. I got to be honest with you. That day, yeah, I felt like no tip needed. Yeah. Oh, so it was the day you were there. I think he wanted like the night before. Yeah, and then well, why he was trimming. He was caught talking about it. Talking about it. Why am I? Yeah. No By the way, tip. you're you're better off telling me how you're down on your luck. Yeah, right. You're about to be evicted. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. Then I'm gonna jump in and help out. You're but gonna yeah. throw in throw in. You had an extra hundy from Ralphie May. You could have <laughs> dropped. Wow. <laughs> from when he told me to hit the casino yeah. in Laughlin. Yeah, yeah. Ralphie and I used to do so many shows. Spend so much time on the road together. Oh, poor he was Ralphie. A fun guy to he, di- he died about was Way it about a half a year ago now? It would have been. It was last summer. Summer so, of 2017. Yeah, yeah. So like three quarters of a yeah, year. Poor yeah. guy, man. He was a nice guy. Such a good guy. And you, you could not find anybody to say a bad word about that guy. No, no. Ralphie was very sweet. It's just, it's very startling when as comedians, we, you know, we all kind of intermingle over the years and decades together. And whenever, 
one of them, uh, one of us passes away, it's very uh, shocking because it it hits you in the face yeah. about your own own mortality, and plus you realize the world's lost someone who's provided so much joy to people and laughter, and it's it's just hard, you know. It's weird to me too because I, what did you feel was your first like big break where you kind of like. I feel like a real stand-up. Like, what was it? Because, I mean, for me, like, I remember just, I mean, there was a lot of little moments, but, like, just being able to mingle at the improv, like, being able to kind of go to the bar and feel part of the family. And, like, you know, I like, little things like that. It wasn't about working here, working there, but it was just about those little moments where, you know, Brian Regan has said it was, you know, him getting passed at a club in Florida where he started. Like, those little things. Like, what was it for you when you're like, holy shit, I think that this is... Something. I think it was when I got. Uh, I was still in Canada. I was. I, I started my stand-up career in Canada, and uh, so I think it was when I first got selected for the big Montreal Comedy Festival, which at, at that time was, you know, the biggest comedy event next to doing the Tonight Show. You right. Know, if you got asked to be on that show back in those days, it was a big, a big thing. So that was when I was like, oh wow, I. I I'm worthy, you know. Right. I've got I've got something that that's special or that they want or that people are reacting to. So so that was a big moment for me. Right. Yeah. It's always I, to me. It's like those little things, like just you know, being able to call yourself like listen. We know both know there's a lot of people that call themselves comics but haven't worked since '83. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean, they have the business card from Vistaprint, but they haven't done anything. <laughs> Vistaprint. And uh, you know, to me, it's those little things. I mean, when yeah. I first when I first went to the Punchline San Francisco where I started, they used to have a Sunday night showcase every Sunday night, and I remember walking up to it one Sunday night, and all the comics were hanging outside. And I'm like, I'm not walking in there. And I remember I turned around, and I was living with my brother at the time, and he yeah. knew I was going to the Punchline. And I remember I'm like, I can't go home. He'll know that I didn't go. So I would go see a Jesus. movie. I just, I didn't want to go. And it's funny because now when you go in there and you realize it's just another stage, it's yeah. just another mic. It's just like, it's it just so empowering to be like, oh, I get to call this my home now. Yeah. Oh, it's those yeah. little things. It's, it's it's nice to know that you're, you're kind of over the hump of looking through the window going, right. man, I wish I was part of that community. I, w- I wish people, my, I had peers that knew I could stand with the best of them. Right. And then once you get in, in that inside, you're like, oh man, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great achievement. It's not easy. Yeah. But you know, like when you, when you first get to LA, it's like the comedy magic club seems so unattainable yeah. and then you get there and you start doing it. And then you're like, oh, this is just like every other club. Yeah, it's nothing yeah. special. But it is, it is a big challenge to 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 get in there and start. Like it, it's 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 like until they kind of let you in the door and let you get on stage. It's easy once you're there. Yes. But that initial getting in is very challenging and very. I mean, I mean, you'll see on any new talent night in in Hollywood, you'll see people lined up down the street to get three minutes at the Laugh Factory. It's so crazy. It's it's. It's seeing that that always makes you humble and reminds you of your early struggles. But I wouldn't trade the early struggles for anything in the world. They they were really fun. They were scary, hard, you know, ambiguous times. But they, of course. they were really great. Um, quick yes or no answer. All right. So yes or a no, nothing else. Can you muffle farts by sticking a marshmallow in your crack? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. 
Yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely right. I, I didn't know if that was me personally or you're asking as a no, general. No, just whatever okay. you want. But Let's you not were analyze right. it. You were right. That's a yes, yeah. or, yes that's or a yes, no, buddy. Cruelest thing a chick ever said to you, like on dating, on a date. Oh, I got one. Even your wife. I don't know if you're married, but the meanest, cruelest thing they've ever said. Well, I I got one. This is a while ago, so this yeah. is this is the one story that I always love to share. A dating story. Yes, it pops okay. up in my head all the time. High school. Uh-oh. I liked this girl a lot. Stacy yeah. was her name. Oh. I was a senior. She was in 10th grade. Nice. Liked her a lot. Wanted to invite her to homecoming. We went out one time, saw a movie, Can't Buy Me Love with Patrick Dempsey. Remember oh, that movie? Oh, boy. You, you took her right to the love movie. Great Good movie. Move. Took her right there. So at that point, she was no longer interested in me. I don't know what happened, but... She ended up starting to like another guy who was also a senior, Uh a really good-looking jockey guy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So homecoming comes and goes. She goes with him. Now it's Valentine's Day of my senior year. So every Valentine's Day, they used to have these flower distributions where you could go and buy a flower, have it sent up to somebody's classroom with a card. So I'm in my journalism class. I get a flower delivered. Is Gary here? That's me. I look at the card. It says, would like to work things out. Love, Stacy. Call me tonight. Oh. Okay, great. Maybe we're on the right track. Nice. I call Stacy later that night, excited, butterflies. Oh, she geez. said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I said, what do you what? mean? She's like, I don't know. Found out. My friends paid the 50 cents for the rose, signed her name, Fuckers. and it was delivered. Now, the reason I was bad wasn't at them, but the fact that I didn't think of it first. Because I was always that guy who would have yeah. thought of that first. Yeah. But the fact that I didn't, and they pulled one over on me, I was furious. And I just remember, like, the lunacy of it where she was like, hey, I didn't send that to you. It was all a ruse. And then I'm like, well, this is so weird. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, it was very, yeah. very interesting to me, you know, to, to pull that off. I remember I met my, my now wife in yeah. Vegas. She was there visiting with her sister. She has a twin sister. Yeah. Uh, not identical, fraternal. And I remember when they were at the comedy club, I was at the Riviera. They saw me and I hung out with them afterwards. And I saw, I thought to myself, I think I'm going to hook up with two sisters. Wow, I think I'm going to hook up with, with two twin sisters. Fast forward to now yeah. that I'm married, her sister, my sister in law, couldn't be more repulsed by me. Hates me, thinks what? I'm to, like, not, you know, yeah. but, but like, the fact that I was so egotistical thinking ah. I was going to close two girls. Yeah. And and now the one could care less about me Aww. was really, really funny. But yeah, and that's how I met my wife on a literally a one night stand working at the, the Riven Vegas, which to me was one of the shitty clubs in Vegas. Yeah. But it did one thing good in my career. Found was, your wife. I met her. Yeah. You should send you should send the twin a white flower <laughs> and say it's from me. By the way, it's all it's also funny because she had said to me after the fact that if it wasn't for the half price ticket booth in Vegas, oh, I would have never met her. Oh my the, god! The, the tickets were advertised on that lousy site Cheap ass. on the strip. That's how they came to see the show. Wow! And, and I remember, never forget this. I was there those weeks in Vegas are miserable. Seven days, yeah. two shows, shit yeah. money. And I remember one night Brian Regan came out to see me because he lives in Vegas and he came and I ate a plate of ass. It was horrible in front of Brian Regan. Oh. He leaves. The next show was one of the best of the of week. Of course. It, that, that's it's always, always the way, dude. <laughs> you, never, you always have your best shows when no one's there. Of course. I mean, of course. Um, 
let's switch gears to so we got this wall thing you know yes the trumpster wants to build a wall and i don't want to get into politics but what i do want to do this is like a design question okay because i've thought about this like if you could design a wall not that you would want to or you're for or against immigration no okay. politics but if you were tasked with designing sure this wall, how would you, how do you design it? How would you design it to keep people out? Here's like, what I think we do, yeah. right? We get the wall from Ikea. <laughs> and then what we do yeah. is we tell them yeah. they have to build the wall, right? <laughs> yeah. And if they can't build it in time, yeah. right, then we get to come in and put up a like like we almost give them the deadline. <laughs> yeah. I think if they if they can build it. And the it, Allen wrench. If if they if yeah. they can build it and show that they're efficient and can build it within the year. Yeah. Then we keep it. But but if there's the problem and they can't get that wall up, I think because, you know, what we do we just dump all the pieces out right yeah, in front right. of them and we tell and them the here's Allen the wall. Keys, yeah. yeah. And you guys got to get this up. If you get it up in a certain time, we'll pull it down. But if you can't, we build it and it stays. That's awesome. Because I think that's what you do. You, you, Ikea. You, you yeah. throw a wooden wall. A wooden wall. Yeah. You throw all of those pieces down one Allen wrench, <laughs> and that's it. And let them go to town. That's brilliant. Yeah, I, why I not? I never thought of that. I'm glad I asked. Ikea, of course. Ikea's the way to go. Yeah. Of course. And they do have some nice stuff in there, I got to tell you. And instead was, of a wall, we could call it a Neglergeflug, <laughs> right? I was always against Ikea. Always. And then my wife yeah. and I went one day, and I was like, this place is pretty good. It's fun. You know, that you just have to be careful yes. not to buy like the wooden plank bookshelf and everyone who walks in your house goes, oh, you were at Ikea? Right. But if you look around, they do have stuff where you can't tell. So you just you just got to make sure you 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 don't go with the, the classic Ikea look. But they have some cool stuff. I man. will tell you, it's exactly like Costco because Costco will sell a great jacket or a great zip up fleece yeah. or hoodie and then you you inevitably see somebody with that exact same one and you know it's costco because it's only unique to their store yeah like like you're like oh my god north face you're like i've never seen a north face with like two pink sleeves like so right, you right. know it's only to that costco yeah so whenever i've seen it i, I i'll see somebody from a distance i'll be like that shirt's from costco i know it <laughs> so you just got to be careful at what you buy without somebody knowing it was yeah you gotta just be inundated Believe the IKEA wall, ladies there it and is. gentlemen. I There's love our it. answer, Harlan, right there. Um, switching gears again. All right. If you had a choice, is it the gear ship because of the highway? Is that kind of the yeah, idea? Yeah, kind of the Harlan oh, okay. Highway. I shift right, gears. I I'm like a truck driver. I got 18 gears. Right? Okay. Okay. So I shift gears. And this one's. Uh, we talked earlier about you know mortality and stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you had the choice, not that this will ever befall you, but the choice of dying from poison, would it be a black widow, a snake, a poisonous serpent, okay. or a scorpion? Which one would you rather go down by? And and what's the environment that we're in? Is there it, an environment? It could that be we're wherever in? you want. Somehow, some way, you get you get bit by one of them. Which would you? You know, I would, I'm going to pull snake right off the equation. I wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want a snake. No, Why? Um, I, I just think that the, the the idea of it lunging at me, right? Yeah, like striking. I don't like. Yeah, yeah, I don't like to strike. Yeah. Like, uh, and then now we're down to the black widow and, and the scorpion. Ugh, let's see. Um, yeah. I always think of the scorpion. I think of that Brady Bunch episode where they go to Honolulu. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's is right. That where Greg is wearing the uh, oh, yeah. idol. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I pull that one off. Okay, so it's go, a Black Widow. Black Widow. There it is. Yeah. Wow. So it comes down to uh, Brady Bunch and the striking that pull it, <laughs> those two right off the equation. <laughs> Who knew that the Brady Mr. Bunch? Right. Yeah. He wow. got that little tiki idol that he found, 
and it brought them bad luck the whole time. Yeah, and and if you and if you see someone wearing a tiki idol, you yeah. kind of do want to strike them, right? You would think so. You deserve it. You almost deserve <laughs> to be poisoned. Yeah, there's no other way around it. All right. Well, Gary Cannon, we are down to the end of the show or at the end That's of the it. hour. No, it's not oh, it. Because okay, okay, guess what? The Tell end me. of the show, yeah. we play our game with oh, all I my guests. It. We have a beautiful game. I love it. Okay, great. And we always close the show. It's high energy. It's fun. Okay, I love it. Hopefully you can win. Not everybody wins. There's a prize? The, the prize is your, is your bragging rights. Oh, I see. Yeah. How many um, people win? How many people lose? What's the most uh, people lose? On, I'm, they I'm do. not even joking. So okay. hopefully if right. you're gonna look. You're gonna shine if you win it. Okay. It's a simple game. It's called do Too I have to Soon. Compete or, against you? What? Or do I compete against no, you? No, you're you're Just you're me. competing against Great. yourself. You're gonna right. answer four questions. Great. And the name of the game is called Too Soon okay. or Not Too Soon. You've heard it when someone makes an off-color joke and you go, Oh, too soon. Okay, right. So the key is to get the right inflection for too soon or not too soon, okay? I'm saying the inflection. Yeah, you're saying too soon or not too soon. Okay. That's your only answer. So, so okay. You have four questions. Let me ask you. Yeah. I hate to ask all these, but, but is yeah, it no, is, 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 is to be clear. winning or losing based on my inflection or based on it being too soon or it's not too soon? It's based on your answer. The inflection's not important. We not like a, the inflection to be okay. accurate, but... It's all based on your answer. Okay. Yeah. So don't worry. All right. If you're not good with inflection, okay. don't get all inflect fucked over it. But wait, who determines if it was too soon or not too soon? Is that your call? Oh, yeah. These these questions oh, okay. are all based on research, bro. Oh, I see. You did research before I came oh, over. Oh, yeah. These Perfect. aren't just willy-nilly. These I didn't are... think so. I could tell by yeah. the lotto ticket question. Okay, great. <laughs> I could tell there's a staff. All right. Okay. So here we go. Okay. First question in uh, of too soon or not too soon. Okay. Here we go with Gary Cannon. Question one. Are you yeah, ready? I'm I ready. want to make sure you're ready. I'm ready. And I don't want to overthink prepared? these. I don't want to overthink. Okay. I'm just going to go. First gut instinct and fire it off. Okay, here we go. Okay. Spider-Man gets the flu, and instead of resting for four days, he stuffs his red leotards with Sudafed, NyQuil, and a breast pump. Too soon or not too soon? Not too soon. That is incorrect. <laughs> that is incorrect. That is but not. this is like an English essay. This is this is if we explored this to ten other people, I I, I would like to argue this point. You're you're <laughs> saying too soon. Yeah. I'm saying not too soon. Yeah. Point counterpoint, right? Yeah. It's like pardon the interruption, mm-hmm. but you're so it 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 goes on your call because I guess you wrote the question. Right. How many do I, I don't have to get all four right? Right. Well, you should. You should. Well, I mean, you I, want people to think you're okay. You're you're mentally stable, right? I want to think that if I had said too soon, you would have said no, no. I you, if you it, had said too soon, that was the right answer okay. for that. All one. right, all right, a hundred percent. I don't think it should be four no, for four. I think this should be three for four. Okay, let's right, see let's if see you get the, the next three. Right. There's there's no there's no hook. There's no okay. me changing okay. things. It's not like that thing. What's the number behind my back? And you say <laughs> three, and it was three, and I change it. Right. There's none of that. This isn't the shell game. This on the is prices, all right. real. I love it. Okay. So here we go. Too soon or not too soon? Gary Cannon. Question yeah. two: Polar bears go extinct, so panda bears are boiled in bleach to remove any black fur and become the new, more compact. Polar bears, too soon or not too soon? Not too soon. <laughs> that is incorrect. Come on. That is incorrect. 
I was going to go too soon, but then I thought there's two well, two, two soons back to back. Damn it! All right, all right, let's edit out move this last on. Part. All right, all you can do now is tie. I can this tie is it about up. your pride. Okay, okay, I'm ready now. Gary Cannon. I see how the game works. Question now I'm three. In. All right, I'm good. All right, I'm good. Question three. Shrek is vacationing in Tahiti and spots the Mucinex snot goblin lying on a beach towel close by. Later that night, they make torrid love on the beach under a romantic full moon and become Hollywood's newest power gay couple, knowing as Musa Shrek. Too soon or not too soon? Not too soon. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> that is too soon? Yeah. Do you have any not too soons in here? I just, I was following the kind of classroom order of like true, false, true, false. Wow. So I'm 0 for 3 is you're what you're telling me. You're 0 for 3. This one's just right, well, to save your fine. pride. Fine. And you, you know are. what? I think you'll get this one because it involves the Brady Bunch, <laughs> it ironically. Does. Yes. I love it. I love it. I think okay. you might get this one. The oh, last question. Okay. Too soon or not too soon? Question four. The Brady Brunch reunites and make butter statues of themselves. They all get naked and have a butter orgy on the front lawn. Too soon or not too soon? Not too soon. Wrong, Gary. That show was in 1972. How could that be too soon? Let me reveal to you what so many like yourself had missed. Yes. The answer to every question is too soon. That's what it is. And the inflection helps, but it's always You said the inflection was soon. not part of it. No, I said it helps, but the answer is oh. always too soon. So if I'd listened to a previous Harlan you Highway would have, podcast. You would have known. Adam Ray got it wrong. Everyone everyone falls into that trap. It's all, Every answer is too soon, and you did the exact opposite. By the way, so then that's not speaking very well to people who come on as guests because they don't listen to the podcast is what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. You're absolutely right. I only have eight listeners. <laughs> Two are here. <laughs> Two are right here, yeah. Uh, Gary, what a pleasure. I, I want you to take a moment here, yes. folks. you got to follow Gary on social media. you got to get out to see him. you got to get – do you have any, like, uh, comedy albums or anything No, else? I don't. Okay. I, 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 I should, maybe, Well, it's eventually. something to think about, yeah. but but we know you You work the clubs. You, you, I'm in you town. Got... I work with Steve Byrne a lot. We yeah. have a podcast together that Steve and yeah, I tell do. Us, tell us your the podcast. Gentleman's Dojo. Yeah. Uh, we've had so many great guests on. Vince Vaughn did our show. Oh, we had nice. uh, Robert O'Neill, who was the guy who shot Bin Laden. We had him on. Wow. Um, we had Jonathan Amazing. Allen, who wrote the great book Shattered about why Hillary Clinton lost the campaign. Wow. The Impractical Jokers. Um, Pat Sajak did our show. Wow. And you got some heavy hitters, and bro. Two people that I pushed for to do our show because they are, are iconic for me. Yeah. Joey Greco, who was the host of a show called Cheaters. Yeah. And Chris Hansen from To Catch a Predator. Yeah, yeah. Like, like out of all the people we've done, I was like, those are the guests that I really want. What wanted. are you doing with that bag of condoms? <laughs> John, we had Jonathan Ike, who uh, wrote a great book about Muhammad Ali. Wow. So we're really trying to kind of elevate our guests. That's great. And That's where great. can people find your podcast? Say the name again. It's called The Gentleman's Dojo. It's and where me, is Steve it? Byrne. It's on All Things Comedy, which is yep. where you are. Uh, it's on SoundCloud, all that other good iTunes. stuff. iTunes. iTunes. But if they go to my website, GaryCannon.com. Okay. Um, right there. And do you have social media? You got Twitter, you got Instagram, all that stuff? Everything is through the web. They can go to my website, Cannon.com, or uh, GaryCannon.com. Okay. Or it's Cannon Comedy. Cannon Comedy. There it is. 
Yeah. There he is, guys. G- Gary Cannon. I don't get to see you enough, which is unfortunate. No. We don't we don't well, I don't really get to see you all that well, much. Well, we'll have to change that, my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have, we'll have to, to change. Get your 99 cent Christmas present ready, okay? But, but we just passed that, so there's got to be a time before that. Of course, that. there's barbecues. Okay. There's Oh, come on now. I'm down. Um, and maybe we'll go stand in that dark theater and wait for the <laughs> missiles to drop. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Gary Cannon. Check him out on uh, social media. Check out his website. Check out his podcast. So much great stuff with Gary. Uh, dude, thank you so much for thank being here, Thank you for here, having buddy. me, bud. I've been a fan for years. Oh, thank so you. So the fact thank that you. I get to come, uh, not only to do this with you, but this has been so nice and a thrill for me. Oh, thank you. It's It's been amazing. It's been fun and very informative. You know, like I said, I've been doing Conan for many years, and, and what you're doing is something that I wasn't uh, totally uh, knowledgeable about. So it's really great to hear all yeah, that I hope stuff. that that kind of sheds some light oh. and people, you know, come to yeah. see a taping of Conan. They can get tickets through Team Conan, uh, TeamCoco.com, and okay. come to a show. That'd be great. There it is. Do that. You'll get to see Gary Cannon live doing his thing. And uh, that's it for today, everybody. We hope you had a good time. As I said, check out Gary's podcast, his social media. And until next time, everybody, chicken chow mein, baby. <laughs> <laughs>